It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Nationwide, over 400,000 children are currently in foster care. And in some states, the number of foster youth has tripled over the last 20 years. 65% of foster children emancipate out of the system at the age of 18, unprepared for independence and without a place to live. Less than 3% will go to college, while a disproportionate percentage of the nation's prison system is comprised of former foster youth. Well, the stats may sound bleak, but there is hope, and the hope may begin with you. This morning, we focus on foster care. To join the conversation, you can go to our Facebook page. Just go to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Like us there, we'll have additional information, and you can join the conversation there about foster care. We begin this morning with Brandy Pendleton. Brandy is with the Bear Foundation. It's our pleasure to welcome Brandy Pendleton to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So explain to us, for those that don't understand, for an agency like yours, the Bear Foundation, explain to us what your role is in the whole foster care system. The role of the Bear Foundation is that we recruit, train, and license foster parents. So it's our job to identify people in the community who might be um, good families to bring in the children who've experienced the trauma. Um, We train those foster parents, help them through the licensing process, And then once you're licensed, we um, identify your home with kids who might be an appropriate match. Now, explain to us what type of children do you work with and what are some of the factors that lead most children into foster care? The Bear Foundation, we work with children between the ages of zero and 18 primarily. Uh, The majority of our kids are either single teens between the ages of 12 and 17. Or when we serve younger children, those children often come in sibling sets. So if we have younger kids, we often have a two-, four-, and six-year-old who are all needing to be placed together. The factors that bring them into care uh, vary based on the case, but frequently abuse, physical abuse, sometimes sexual abuse, neglect, medical neglect, um, and then substance abuse issues by their birth parents as well. Okay. So let me ask you this. For those that are listening this morning that may not get it, they may have never worked with um, foster children, um, explain to us, how traumatic it is for these young children to be in foster care, to be taken away from the only family they know, their school, everything. These children are losing a lot. Tell us about that dynamic, please. Absolutely. Um, Our kids who are coming into care are coming into care as a result of some sort of trauma, be it abuse, neglect, or just the separation from their birth families. They're coming in and they are losing absolutely everything that they're familiar with. Things that you and I may take for granted, you know, the way our house smells, our favorite toothpaste, our pillow on the right side of the bed. Um, They're losing absolutely everything that they're used to, that they're familiar with, and that makes them feel safe and comfortable. Oftentimes it's things that you or I would think that they would be happy to be losing or happy to be leaving um, that our kids miss the most because that's what was comfortable and familiar to them. Okay, so I want people to really understand that it's so crucial for people to step up and to become foster parents right here in this area. Explain to us what happens to these children that are taken away from their home. They're in this traumatic situation and they're they're away from their home and they're not able to be placed here in Cincinnati because there's not a home. 
What does that, because that's a whole nother factor, explain to us what happens there. Absolutely. It's so crucial that we identify families here in the Cincinnati area and as close around this area as we can. Um, In addition to all the other trauma that these kids are experiencing, being placed in a foster home who's an hour or two north of here or east or west of here, you know, there are a lot of homes in a lot of remote locations and not to take away from those homes. But when a child's being removed from their home, it's traumatic enough. It's difficult enough. Add to that a two and a half hour drive to their foster home, you know, for that child feels like they're going seven or eight hours away. Um, And then every time they have to see their birth parent, they travel to and from their visits. It's just compounded um, stress for them, compounded anxiety, having to be in the car for that long. Um, And they're, they're coming out of everything. They're losing their school. They're losing their community. They're not able to stay engaged in their sports teams. They're not able to stay engaged in just the community that you're used to. You know, they don't get the opportunity to drive down the road and see things that are familiar to them because they're so far away from home when we don't have families here who are willing to take them in. All right. And in case you're just tuning in all morning long, we're talking about foster care in the studio with me this morning. We're speaking to Brandy Pendleton. She's with the Bear Foundation uh, Foster Care Agency here in this area. For more information on foster care, you can like us on our Facebook page. You can join the conversation there and like us there. Just go to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Tell us about the requirements for those that are listening this morning and you're nudging them on there, um, Brandy, and they may be considering being a foster parent, what are the requirements to become a foster parent with the foundation? Okay. There's a great deal of work involved in getting licensed to become a foster parent. Um, Some of the basic requirements, you have to be 21 years old. You have to be financially self-sufficient. You have to have a stable living environment, you know, have the space to place a child in your home. So have an additional bedroom, additional beds available. And then there's a great deal of paperwork that includes fingerprinting and application process, You are required to have a physical, a TB test, a fire inspection of your home, and we send an assessor in to complete the home study process, which consists of three to four interviews in your home with everybody in the home, um, just to determine that, you know, this is a good fit both for you and for a child who's experienced trauma. And so help us out here. So if you are a foster parent and you sign up with the Bear Foundation, you get a choice basically on the type of child and the behaviors and some of the things that you personally can deal with because not everybody, not every foster parent can deal with everything, even though they're trained. This is true. Um, A common misconception is kind of that you just sign up and you get whatever, you know, comes along in the system. As a part of your licensure process, you get to identify the kids that you would feel most comfortable working with. And we obviously encourage you to stretch and to open your eyes to these are the kinds of kids we have needs to place in homes. But from there, you get to make some decisions and you get to tell me what it is that you feel like you would be comfortable working with. And then even from that point, once you're licensed and I get a referral who meets that criteria, I would call that family and say, we have a child. It looks like you might be interested. Here are their you know, characteristics. Are you interested? Yes or no. And even though you've identified this, these list of characteristics as something you might be interested in, you still have the option to say no if you don't feel like it's a good fit. All right. And in case you're just tuning in all morning long, we're talking about foster care. We're joined in the studio this morning by Brandy Pendleton. She's with the Bear Foundation. Again, for more information, you can join the conversation. You can join our Facebook page. Just go to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear and like us there. Now, let's talk about public perception. How do you think foster parents are perceived by most people? And is it a noble thing to do nowadays? 
I think in general, the public perception of foster care, it, it is not something that is terribly well-received. It can be um, an activity that is isolating for a family. You do sometimes get children whose behaviors would cause them to be isolated or cause your family to be isolated. So it can be something that has a negative connotation in the public's, the general public's view. Um, once you get a little bit deeper than that and you can get beyond the surface of it, it's, it's certainly a noble thing to do. You know, we have a great deal of kids especially in the Hamilton County area, who are in need of being placed in foster homes through no fault of their own. So taking those kids in and caring for them, you know, there's there's nothing that would ever be able to say that that wouldn't be a noble thing to do. And finally, this morning, we're running out of time. Explain to our listeners, if they are interested in becoming a foster parent, exactly what they need to do to reach out to the Bear Foundation. Anyone who's interested in becoming a foster parent with the Bear Foundation can call me directly in the office at 513 513- Seven seven one one six zero six, or they could visit our website at www.bair.org. All right, and that phone number again? 513-771-1606. All right, and without a doubt, foster parents have the power to change lives. Is that true? Foster parents are the primary agent of change in a child's life. There's not a single person in a child's life who's going to impact the child in this traumatic situation as much as a foster parent is going to. If you are interested in making a difference in a child's life, especially a child who's experienced trauma, becoming a foster parent is a way to 100% assure you'll do that. All right. And with that, we're out of time. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us, Brandy. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. All right. And again, the website? www.bair.org. All right. And with that, let's keep the conversation moving. I'm proud to introduce you to two foster parents with the Bear Foundation. We're joined by Andrew and we're also joined by Sarah. They're both foster parents in two separate households. It's my pleasure to welcome Andrew and Sarah to the show. And remember, for more information on foster care, you can like us on our Facebook page and join the conversation there. Just go to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear and like us there this morning. Again, it's our pleasure to welcome Andrew and Sarah to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Let's talk about why you two decided to be foster parents. And we'll start with Andrew. Why did you and your wife decide to be foster parents? Uh, It started for us, actually, when I coached the uh, kindergarten football team and we had a few young men on our team uh, who a friend of ours at the time was uh, doing foster care with Um, and when my wife and I had gotten married to begin with we had talked about having three children and then at that point um, trying to adopt her her uh, mother is adopted so we wanted to try to do something like that Um, also and meeting uh, Brandy Pendleton and Gene Campbell gave us an opportunity to uh, get out there and, and see what it's like and get some questions answered for us. Okay, and Sarah, what about you and your husband? And by the way, Andrew is not your husband. That's right. All right, good. So tell me about your experience and why you decided to become a foster parent. So I actually was going into several foster homes for a research project I was doing when we were living in Nebraska prior to moving to Ohio and saw the state of some really great foster homes and some really terrifying foster homes and decided at that point that we, my husband and I wanted to be able to make a difference whenever we had the opportunity. So we moved to Ohio and then started foster parenting. Okay. And so you were working on your master's degree, your doctorate? I was working on my doctorate. Okay, good, good. And so how's that going? It's done and it's fantastic. Okay. So do I have to call you Dr. Sarah? You don't. Okay. Okay. I don't. Suddenly I feel inadequate. (laughs) Okay. No, no, no. So, um, so how many years have you guys been fostering? And we'll start with Sarah. We've been at it for a year. Okay. And what about you, Andrew, you and your wife? This is our third year. 
And do you have biological children, Andrew? Yes, we have uh, we have three boys that are biological, and then uh, we started off uh, with our son Logan, then uh, through foster care, foster to adopt, um, and then a year and a half ago we we went ahead and we completed the adoption for him. Uh, so yes, we have four four boys, um, and now we have a, a placement of two girls. All right, and Sarah, what about you? You have biological children. We do not. We have three placements. Okay. And are they a sibling group or? We have one sibling group. They're ages 10 and 8 and then a five-year-old. Now, when children come into your home, what type of issues have you found that they bring along with them? Um, I think it's really different depending on whether the kid is coming from another foster home or coming into care for the first time. Um, And we've had the experience with both and they bring some different baggage with them. But um, a lot of the stress of their previous experience and then also not trusting you as a person that they're comfortable talking to about what they're coming with them or what they're bringing with them. So it ends up taking a lot of time just to figure out what the issue is before you can even start addressing it. Okay. And so for you personally, what are some of the biggest challenges you see when as a foster parent? What are what are some of the biggest challenges for you, um, Sarah? Um, I think one of the challenges that I personally face is Um, managing a dual career household in the foster parenting position. I think in general, the agencies assume that there's um, an unemployed or a stay-at-home parent working um, as a foster caregiver. And when you have two, that creates an added stress that the system's not not used to accounting for. Okay. Andrew, what about you? Um, I think some of the the things for us, one when you when you get up to six kids right now, we're at six, four by four, and then two placements. Um, just that sheer madness that goes along with that. On top of that, uh, I coach uh, four sports. Uh, my wife is a stay at home mom, luckily, thank goodness, uh, but she does have some responsibilities for work also. Uh, but the big thing we've found is. The older they are, um, the more psychological things that you're dealing with rather than some of the physical things. Um, and they're very good um, at, at learning uh, how to play mom against dad or, you know, trying to find a different way to see what their boundaries are and to see um, who the disciplinarian is, who they can get away with what is. Uh, so you're constantly the communication you have to have with your significant other is huge. I mean, probably the biggest thing we found is is that if we're not talking, we're getting played the fool by somebody in the group. Okay, good, good. And so that's quite interesting because I think for, you know, when you bring people into your home, other people into your home, it brings in a whole different dynamic, I'm sure. And I'm sure that's something. How do you prepare your children? It's something that you and your wife decided to do, but you decide to bring foster children into your home. How does that whole dynamic play out with your children? Well, luckily for us, um, our, our kids have been raised. I run uh, group homes for people with disabilities. So my kids have, since they've been little, been part of trying to help people, um, learning to reach out and doing things and help people that, that truly need it. And for them, they look at it kind of the same way. It's really no different, uh, especially in the beginning. Uh, once they're there, that, that bond forms and the relationship forms, um, and, and then it's a lot easier. But, but the concept, we talked a long period of time probably for a year and a half with our kids before we decided we were going to do it. Uh, we had some good examples of, of how it works with, with Brandy and with Jean. Some of the boys' best friends were kids that were currently in foster care and waiting to be adopted or had been adopted. So they had a lot of good um, role models to look at to see it be successful. 
and and for them it's just one more person that they were able to bring in and love so so they were were very much for it okay uh, so let's talk about this this is one thing how about bonding because you get these children in your home and you start to bond with them and then mom luckily you know for the children she gets her act together and she's able to they're able to be reunified or whatever the case plan may be you've bonded with this child and now they're leaving how do you deal with that because that would be the hardest thing for me it it, it is we we have been fortunate well when we first started we did not want to do that part of it we were strictly foster to adopt which meant we were only bringing somebody into our home who permanent custody had been taken from the parents. So we knew that that was who we were going to adopt. That's how we started with Logan. We're currently in the other situation, uh, and, and it is not easy at all, um, especially for, uh, you know, we talked earlier about my family being one. We're very loving. We're caring. We're nurturing. Uh, this is our first taste of what it's going, what it's like to sit and wait, and that's really what it is. Um, you know, ultimately in, in foster care, if you don't realize that the ultimate goal is reunification, then you're in the wrong field um, unless you're doing the foster to adopt. I mean, if you know that permanent custody has been taken and, and that is going to be your child, it's a completely different mindset. Um, we thought we were prepared for that, and now we're going through it for the very first time, um, you know, and, and it is a very difficult and real thing that you lose sleep over. Uh, you know, you try not to tear up over. It's a hard thing to even talk about here on the radio uh, because we're currently, you know, 20 days away from the end of that, the first part. And then there's always – once it's over, then there's, they constantly, then there's going to be able to be, um, depending on what the outcome is, you'll be able to um, go back and, and try and appeal and everything. So it, it's a real, a real thing that, you know, you don't talk about it in front of the kids. We don't, um, other than, you know, that, that that's a possibility, uh, you know, but we don't show the emotion side of it to anybody other than each other right now. And then leaning on our foster care agency, that's what they're for. Um, you know, we, I talked to Brandy quite a bit. Uh, because that is a, a very difficult thing to, to do as a foster parent. So uh, I know that there's been others that have, have been there and had them go okay. other places, but uh, we've been fortunate right now not to, but but it's not to say that won't happen here soon. All right. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long we're talking about foster care. We're talking to two foster parents. We're talking to Andrew, and we're also talking to Sarah. And Sarah, to piggyback on his question, and again, if you would like more information about foster care, you can like us on our Facebook page and join the conversation. Now, Sarah, um, going back to that question, um, have you had that happen in your household where a child had to go back home or went back to their parents and you were had bonded with that child? We have not had that experience yet. We actually came in to um, working with the agency with the intent of working, of taking on the kids that were going to be reunified. So our goal was actually not to adopt. And we're now um, facing the flip of that where one of our um, children currently in our home is going to be becoming available for adoption. And so we're starting to navigate those waters. Um, But I think that the decision that we made was ultimately before we even started the process was that we recognized that it was going to be hurtful to lose children, that it was going to be a grief um, and a substantial loss after they've lived with us for six, seven, eight, nine months to go back home. Um, But we felt like that trauma that we would experience on our side didn't justify allowing children to be in living situations that weren't positive for them. 
Now, let's talk about this. Now, personally, for you guys, what is the biggest reward to being a foster parent? I think the day that you get a phone call from the school that says that your child made it the whole day without any sort of temper tantrum or problematic behavior is is rewarding. I, I couldn't agree more. We have um, our, our son, Logan, um, recently this year, you know, he's been with us for a while. Uh, his first test scores were, were so low that they had talked about not just holding him back, but moving him back a grade. Uh, now he just got his state test scores, and every test score um, is in the the normal range. Uh, he's off his IEP. You know, he's down on his medication. Uh, and then more importantly, you know, with, with the girls that we've got, we we had to, you know, when, when they got to us, one of them didn't walk. And they said that she wouldn't without being able to use, you know, without some sort of walker or something like that. And she wouldn't put more than one or two words together. Uh, she's been with us since December. And, you know, she's running around the house on her own with just small braces on her ankles. She's putting together sentences. She recognizes when you're talking and asking her a question and can answer it. All things that the doctor said would never happen. Um, and, and so those days far outweighs the day you know, when it comes or if it comes that, that they won't be with us anymore. And, you know, you always hope that the, the, the relationship you formed with the parents, at least for us in this situation, that the bond that we formed with those parents continue one way or the other, whether they be going back to the, to the parents or whether they stay with us, uh, that continual bond is, is something we hope for either way. All right. And with that, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you so much, Sarah, for taking time to talk to us this morning. And congratulations on the success you're having with your foster children. That just goes to show the power of foster parents. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. We've been speaking to foster parents, Sarah and Andrew. Coming up next, find out how you can stand up and be the voice for a child in foster care. More information coming up as Sunday Morning Magazine continues.